Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Overtime. Actually, it's episode number 88. I just checked. So, are we going to do anything special for 100? I began, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we'll ask Christian to get those little confetti poppers or something. Anyway, we are so glad that you're joining us. If this is your first time, what basically Overtime is, is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. So, we were in Better Week 4 just this past Sunday, so we're excited to jump kind of back into that. Um, we always encourage you, if you have questions, to let us know what those questions are. You can do that by contacting us, info at clcfamily.church, overtime at clcfamily.church. You can text us, 610-869-2140. You can also join us online. So we've got four different platforms that we are streaming on our website, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, and on Twitch. So if you're interested in asking live, you can do that as well. Yeah, please do. Thanks for those that are joining us. And one of the things that we always do uh, before we start kind of jumping into that text is just let you know what's happening within that week. So two things we want to highlight as we're recording this. This is June 29th. On June 30th, that starts our official Summer of Wow. It's our kickoff where we are going to be doing a kids worship service. In fact, just over to my right shoulder, they're preparing to do that. They did change it from an outdoor venue, but because of the heat warning that we have in effect, that will be indoors. So that'll be tomorrow night. Event opens, uh, the like gates open at 6 o'clock. Event starts at 6.30. We would love to have you be a part of that. There's a ton of different things happening for the Summer of Wow. Check out the kids page on our website for more information on that. But that is going to be a great event that we would love you to come out to as we kick off again the Summer of Wow. And then also on Friday, which will be actually July 2nd. It's crazy to feel and to know that we've already gone through June and now it's about to be July. On July 2nd, we have the Oxford First Friday event. Basically, we get the opportunity to love on our neighbors in Oxford by setting up inflatables, by doing a disc golf course. Uh, and is also doing some carnival games. So we're pretty excited for that. If you're interested in helping out, you can just go to our signups page on our website and there is a Oxford First Friday graphic. Click that, it'll bring you to a sign up where you can get more information and you can sign up to help out with that. So those are kind of the events that we have coming up this week. We'd love to have you be a part of them. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of all the announcements that we've got. So with that, we usually do a recap of what we kind of talked about. As always, we want to encourage you to watch that Watch or listen to that message first and foremost. That's kind of the starting point. And then hopefully this is a little bit deeper dive, things that weren't able to make it to Sunday. But do you want to give us a quick quick recap? Yeah, it was nice to be back after a week of vacation. Uh, <coughs> so I uh, missed you guys two Tuesdays ago. Thanks for being gracious. I mean, I don't know if you're gracious or not. And I'll try, but I'm sure you were because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Aha, that's what we talked about. And so uh, we, what we looked at again this week is... Uh, we're in the series called Better, which means when life hands you choices, you can choose the better option. We believe you're capable of that, sort of. believe I'm capable of it, sort of. I'm not really that capable of it, but the Holy Spirit inside of me is capable. So what we saw happen before Jesus starts these really neat moments of teaching on prayer and other things, he actually sit, takes his disciples, trains them, loves them, splits them up in pairs, sends them out. These 12 guys bring back another 60 with them, the other 72. He does the same thing again over six months, and then he sends them out again, and then that crew of 72 comes back with what seems like 300 or more. And in, in those moments, they're all excited about what God had done, and Jesus uh, says, don't celebrate your experience there. Celebrate that your name's written in the book, uh, the Lamb's book, meaning celebrate that your family and then he actually does pray right after that and what he prays for is he says god i thank you i rejoice in the holy spirit 
really, really important piece that, that what Jesus was rejoicing in is the gift of a spirit to his people. And the reason the Holy Spirit is so important because it is actually the spirit. He is actually the one who helps us make the better choice. And so it's really, really the better choice we talked about last week and again this week was we can either choose performance. We can choose prayer. We can choose to perform and try to manipulate and coerce to get our way, do it with your spouse all the time. You try to convince them you're right, they're wrong. You do it with your kids all the time, try to get them to behave. We can choose to try to operate all those things. Or we can first choose to go and pray and ask God to have his way. And so we get to choose prayer over performance. And the big aha of this week is, okay, how do we pray? And what Jesus tells us the neat things, ask, seek, knock. He gives us a couple of parables that are really pretty strange of this guy with shameless audacity who continues to knock on the door and finally his neighbor opens the door out of annoyance and Jesus then goes, you should ask, you should seek, and you should knock. So we got some actually action words to kind of think about how we pray. Prayer and faith are both action words, so ask and it will be, you'll receive it, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open for you. So I was like, yeah, 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 ask, seek, knock. But what are we actually getting when we're asking and we're seeking and we're knocking? Do we get the answer to our prayer? Are we healed of our cancer? Is our marriage better? Maybe, but that's not the greatest gift you get, yeah. right? Jesus already prayed this a few a chapter before. He goes, God, I rejoice in the Holy Spirit. What he tells us at the very end is how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So yeah. In this series of trying to figure out what, how God wants us to make choices and what we want to do is we want to pray and ask God for his spirit so we can make the choices. What's interesting is the Gospel of Luke, which we've been working through now for 50 weeks, uh, some people actually describe it as the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. Because of how often Luke talks about and describes the Holy Spirit and what we've just experienced in our church for the last six, nine months has been a move of the Holy Spirit, not of clever staff, brilliant elders. I mean, uh, not those it's that... Not those things, it's that we have had the Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, intercept us in some ways, you know, pursue us and empower us and underwrite the mission of his church. And so uh, we could get anywhere today. It would be my hope that we'd get to a place where you could be confident that when you ask God, he will give you his spirit and his spirit will guide you and lead you and overflow out of your heart, which is what we'll kind of talk about today as we move forward. So, and one of the things that it's interesting, so we were in Luke 11, we started the week before as we talked about prayer versus performance. Um, we started chapter 11, first four verses, and then this is just a continuation. So even though we took a break, you know, saying, okay, we're going to cover these four verses, yeah. this wasn't necessarily a break for Jesus as he taught this. And so it was looked at together. And I feel like that, that raises some questions. I feel like I have some questions to ask. I know that we have at least one um, one listener that has already submitted a question, so we're going to get to that as well. Um, but as we jump into this, one of the things that you had talked about was the idea that we get to participate with the Holy Spirit in what he's up to. And you likened it. I love this analogy. I have no um, idea what you're about to say. I don't remember. <laughs> you likened it to playing um, uh, to bowling with the gutter guards. Oh, yeah. Bumper right? guards. Like bumper, bumper guards. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Gutter yeah. guards, bumper oh, guards. Yeah, I forgot that. Like, yeah. I feel like that was a great analogy of going, you can't lose, yeah. right? Like, when when you're actually following the Holy Spirit, the prompting of yeah. the Holy Spirit, the, there's really no bad outcome. <laughs> like, so I didn't know if there was anything more of that. Was Did that just, were you planning on saying that? I wasn't, just, and sorry. So, okay. the, and you know this. They know, everybody knows this. I mean, I, 
<laughs> I got about a hundred words or two hundred words from this piece of paper that I use each week, and really do go, Holy Spirit, please have your way. I mean, we're working towards the main idea yeah. and those kind of things. So no, I actually forgot. I didn't even mention that. How, how interesting is that? I thought it was a great Thanks, analogy. Thanks, Holy Spirit, for that. But yeah, so it is kind of that. What I hope happens as you walk further with the kingdom of God, and we, we looked at it, Galatians 5, just the fruit of what the Spirit gives us, I hope the pressure has fallen off you. Yeah. Like the whole idea that if it's to be, it's up to me is a lie. What God wills, he wills, right? Yeah. And so like this is where it gets really confusing. Okay, who's doing the work? Am I doing the work? Is the Holy Spirit doing the work? Yes, right? And it is, it's like... I don't fully understand it, but it'd be like me trying to, I mean, I, I have a, a degree in math, right? Mm-hmm. Multiple degrees in it and like math. But if I were to try to sit down with, you know, my um, seven-year-old and explain to her how to do derivatives and calculus, she's not going to get it. Right. Or under, and even if she were to get it, she wouldn't understand why you need to know derivatives of calculus right. or need to know how to measure, you know, this, the area underneath of an arc. Like none of those things would matter to her. So I could sit there and I could explain it to her and she could look at me and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And but we have no idea what what I was explaining, and yet it wouldn't make those things any less true, right? right? right. And so it's like, well, I'm not really sure exactly how the Holy Spirit works or exactly how those things work. It's like, yeah, I don't either, but I'm just telling you, it doesn't make it less true that what God tells us is He gives us the gift of the Spirit that guides us and leads us, right? And even tells us, and we're going to get to that question in just a second. Like, it's even possible, it's impossible to even say Jesus is Lord without the work of the Spirit in our life. You go, well, I don't understand that, and it's like, oh, I know, and that's so nice that you're not God then, right? Because uh, the idea that we have to fully understand these things before we live in them is a fool's lie in Aaron, right? I tell you this all the time. You don't know how to work your eye. You don't know how your iPhone works in the background. You don't know how your laptop. Right. right now you're watching this. Do you know exactly all the steps that it takes for you to watch this currently? Right now, you know, with, there's no cables plugged in. There's some kind of Wi-Fi thing right. going somewhere, beaming up. Do you, do you understand all that? No, but you use it. Why? Because it works. And so, so much of this is like, yes, I understand. It's, it's so above my pay grade. So we can either question it and be confused by it and be frustrated by it, or we can go, well, this is what God says. So therefore, it must be true. And I promise you, if you can get there and you can start going, this is what God says, therefore, it must be true and start living life like it's true. Because it is. You will come to a conclusion. I have come to the conclusion in the last six months that the Holy Spirit is real and God does gift his spirit to us. How do I know that? Because I'm experiencing it. Yeah. Like I'm, this is so strange and random. Like, oh, it feels so weird because this is, this is a new life for me over the last nine months, 12 months. The Holy Spirit is living and active and it is not some impersonal power. It is a yeah. powerful person that indwells us. And by the way, you can show back up tomorrow night for the yeah. talk on prayer because I'm going to explain to you more about what the Holy Spirit actually does. We'll just get a glimpse of it in the sermon today. Yeah. So yeah, I think that is a perfect analogy. Yeah. God wills what God wills. There, You're not going to end up in the gutter. You just keep walking down the path. You keep walking down the path and you can trust that God is at work. So the ones that I used to play with way back in the day, we're just like literally. You mean you don't currently do that? No, 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 no. Like they inflate. They're inflated. Oh, the, I've seen. So when you say I've gumper guards, okay. I'm like, our gutter guards. I'm like, oh, I see those that come down. I remember them taking these long tubes. Okay. So when you do it, it kind of bounce off, bounce yeah, off like yeah. that. So anyway, I, I don't know if they're inflated with air, but I know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Like, I, it felt like there was something in it. Yeah. So it just bounced. But uh, yeah, I don't use gutter guards ever, um, except for the Holy Spirit. No, whatever. Anyway, um, nobody, as, nobody laughed. Nobody laughed. I mean, they might have. We don't know. We well, gotta get an audience in here. <laughs> like this would be 
We need to film this in front of a live studio audience. That would be great. Christian, come in here and laugh at us. Yeah, laugh at my jokes. I'm just kidding. We're just joking. Um, so I did want to kind of talk. So it, you would talk about, you just said this now as you were explaining it, mm -hmm. and kind of set up the, the big, there's always usually, I shouldn't say there's always usually because that doesn't make sense, but there's usually a board that you put up a couple different things. So this week it yeah. was, we can- And I get raving reviews from my boards. That's a joke. Okay. Uh, everybody loves them. Some of you do. You should talk more often about how much you love the felt board and the magnetic board because I'm getting some pushback on these boards. <laughs> oh, really? So I, oh. I, I need some help here. I, I will say that as a visual guy, I, I like it. <laughs> um, although this week I didn't look at it as much as I usually do. But Maggie laughed. The idea. Thanks, Mags. Really appreciate that. Glad, glad you're here. Um, so the idea that what we were getting at is that we can either recept, accept, or you use the words, we can either reject or receive. I should have said that, accept that. or reject, because that yeah. goes well, but again, alliteration. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the whole idea. And, and what I loved is that even though this passage is really talking about prayer, I feel like one of the things you did was you brought the Holy Spirit into it, which has always been there, but I feel like I've never read this and seen the Holy Spirit there. Yeah, we didn't think about it. We go, ask, seek, knock. We never yeah. listened to Jesus' words at the end of it. Right. He right. tells the whole parable, and then he gives us the, like, he doesn't always do this, by the yeah. way. He sometimes just leaves it hanging. And like, what did he mean by that? He tells you exactly what he means by it. He literally says, how much more will your heavenly father? Because he's good, because he's not an annoyed neighbor. Because yeah. he's not a father like you that's evil. So we got these two different patterns of an annoyed neighbor yeah. and an evil father. And yet they do the, the thing that's being asked of them because yeah. that's naturally how things work. And he's going, now let's take out the annoyed neighbor. Let's take yeah. out the father who's evil and let's put your heavenly father in it. Okay. So now he's substituted. So when you knock, when you seek and you ask, what do you think his answer is? Absolutely yes. But what is he actually going to give you when you ask for that? Oh, yeah. Maybe not that candy, the same way you wouldn't give your kids the candy if you're a good father or mother, right? There are some things that he knows if he gives those to us, we will turn our back on him because it will be the thing that we think will satisfy us, right? So what does he give us? Well, he tells us. He doesn't always tell us this. Now, this is an algebraic equation, right? He takes the X and the Y and he places Holy Spirit in for annoyed neighbor, all right, fa Heavenly Father in for annoyed neighbor, Heavenly Father in for evil father. And then he tells us what the Heavenly Father gives. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit yeah. for those who ask him? Yeah, that's good. What's interesting is that in the language, it doesn't actually have a subject of what's being asked for. Oh, really? So it doesn't say to those who ask him. It doesn't say for the Holy Spirit or for anything else. So okay. in some ways, you could kind of deduce... So he's saying every time you ask, you're getting an answer, and the answer is yes, and the, the yes to that answer is the Holy Spirit every single time, which is a different view yeah. on prayer, which means the more we pray, the more we open up ourselves to have the Holy Spirit enter. Because I told you at the very beginning, that whole idea of prayer in its definition is literally to exchange wishes. Yeah, right. So how do you exchange wishes with God? You tell him yours, and then you eventually hear his. Well, how in the world are you going to hear it unless he's not interpreting it that for you? But not even literally, but experientially in your heart. Well, how does he do that? Well, he places the Holy Spirit in you. It's like literally to think about a long time ago when they started telegraphs or even phones, right? Someone on the other end could send all the telegrams in the world, but you know how you receive it? 
You got to have the decoder in your house, right? You got to have a phone. Like if someone's calling you, how do you receive it? You have to have the machine that actually translates that stuff. Here, how do you read an email? You have to have a machine that translates those ones and zeros in the binary code. So the same thing is in order to exchange wishes, you need the other side of that decoder. Yeah, yeah. Who's the other side of that decoder? It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, And I yeah. feel like it, it sets it up so well. Again, like I feel like as I look at this, I've always kind of ignored what Jesus gives us is the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've, it's always even looking at, and I, I want to try and bring this up later, but looking at the persistent widow. So is there anything in this that we should kind of annoy God with our prayers, but maybe that's not the right word. And so I want to get to that. You want to go and talk about that right now? Uh, you want to wait? I, I think yeah. wait for now, but I have a great answer. So don't tune out before <laughs> then, we get Yeah, there. it's coming up. So we're, we're giving you teasers now yeah. too. Um, but as we look at this, now I feel like we should go to a commercial break. Yeah, we probably should like just build the suspense, yeah. but we don't do commercial breaks. Um, but as we look at this, as we understand it's the Holy Spirit that gives it to us, that analogy works out so well. The exchanging of wishes, the Holy Spirit comes in. And so for me, what it does is it communicates that prayer, when I pray, it's not about, we talked about this last week with Gary, right? It's not about the performance, it's about prayer. But even in that, prayer is not this list of things that I need to, to do, but it's about connection. It's about that relationship. Yeah. And now even to take it a step further, it's about the, the work of the Holy Spirit in me. So that that prayer, again, kind of for me, as I'm looking at this week after week, it builds. I'm looking at it going, man, it's about the Holy Spirit imparting what he desires, his wishes in my life. And therefore it changes. But yeah. it looked like you were going to say something there that I... I, oh, I was actually still thinking about the commercial breaks. Okay. Like, oh, that'd be good. No, I'm just joking. I, uh, yeah, there's a lot to think about there. Yeah. And we view prayer as this binary. You pray a prayer. <laughs> God says yes or no. One of the songs I hate the most, but I still sing it, is Garth Brooks from the 90s. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered yeah, prayers. Do you know that song? No. Even, even when you're talking to the man upstairs, even though he may not be, listen, it don't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts yeah, are I mean, too often. No, let me get to it. Oh. All are too often unanswered prayers. Like this idea. Okay. By the way, the whole premise of the song is the guy singing it comes back to his high school a couple decades later, and he sees the woman he wanted to marry, and he's like, "Man, I'm glad I didn't marry her." It's so superficial. <laughs> hey, you know what you get if right. you play country backwards? And apparently, there's a song. But I thought that this was a joke before it was a song, but you get your car back, your house back. Gotcha, your that's funny. Back. But I'm, I'm trying to actually make a really uh, honest spiritual point. Go for it. So this idea that we think that God either doesn't answer our prayers yeah. or uh, only says yes or no. And sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a wait. But it's much more nuanced than that. It's not like he's just checking a box going, yep, I'll give that one. Nope, I won't give that one. Literally, every time you pray, you are unleashing unleashing infinite possibilities yeah. that the God of the universe can do, right? So it's not just yes or no. It's so much more nuanced. But every time we pray, every single time when we talk to the God of the universe, God of the universe is responding to that prayer request. And the way that you just asked it, or the way that you would ask it, if you could see and know all the things that God sees and knows, well, how do you start seeing and knowing all the things that God sees and knows? Yeah. His Holy Spirit. Yeah. So it's so much more nuanced than yes, yes, or no, but right, we kind of right. see it as, okay, I asked, I asked, I asked, I asked. Now, yeah, and when we get the persistent widow, I'll, I'll yeah, kind of yeah, share yeah. the second part of that, even though it's not yeah, in the text, So but. I do want to say, okay, I'm, I'm seeing your comment here. 
Um, there's about a two minute delay. So if you could be a little bit more specific, you said, how does this relate? Just if you could explain the this a little bit more, we just covered a lot of ground from Garth Brooks to mm -hmm. um, a country backwards and uh, kind of deviated away from scripture. So if you could be a little bit more specific, I'd love to bring up that question. So um, yeah, so I, I do want to kind of jump into the text here. And then we'll get maybe a little bit more clarity from LK. We do want to get to a couple questions. And I really do want to ask, when it comes up in the scripture verse, how do we how do we navigate the idea of the persistent window? So, yeah. uh, widow. So verse 5, so continuation 1 through 4, it's kind of the Lord's Prayer. It's Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. So it's not as extensive as what we see in like Matthew. But verse 5 says this, and he said to them, so he just explained about the Lord's Prayer. And now he's going to paint kind of a, a, a picture, well, the parable, a, yep. picture yep. a parable of what he says. He says, which of you has a friend uh, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, let, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though. Uh, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever is in need. And then it continues and says, verse 9, And I tell you, uh, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And then continuing yeah. on with 10. But let's just start there in that kind of first picture of it. So, so again, first four verses, kind of Lord's Prayer tells us how to pray, teaching his disciples. And then he goes into this picture of this persistent, annoying neighbor, whatever you want to kind of yeah. say there in that, like, how do we, how do we go from this teaching into this persistent like so this is a different one than the parable of the persistent widow yes, the persistent right. widow is the one who goes to the judge and keeps asking 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 right. and the judge is like just shut up you know yeah. yeah fine you know so let's think about the purpose of prayer for just a second hmm. just think about it like i want you wherever you are to think okay what what's the purpose of prayer what is it well we know prayer is to exchange wishes but why do we pray do we think when we pray, God then fixes our problems? That's why I say most people think about prayer. Yep. We pray so God can fix our problems. And if we don't pray, he won't fix those problems, yep. right? And so even in some of these passages, he goes, some of you pray for things that even the pagans don't pray for, but it still comes through. You know, it's like, what in the world does it mean to pray big prayers? All that kind of stuff? But uh, Gary covered this last week. Really, really important. The primary objective of prayer isn't for God to fix your problems. Right. Is that for you to spend time with the God of the universe? The whole idea of the gospel is you were not allowed to be connected to Jesus, you are to God until Jesus comes and builds a bridge for you to be able to come and see him as your heavenly father. So as you pray, the number one objective of the time of prayer is for you to get to spend time with God so you can see as he sees and knows as he knows, know as he knows. Therefore, you can start your prayers change because of your perspective of God. I prayed it this morning. I literally did with our staff going, God, Jesus, if you don't answer any of our requests today, like if you don't ever do a single good thing for us from this point forward, if you don't bless us in any way, we still have been immeasurably blessed by you by what you did on the cross. Right? If he does nothing else for us, the fact that he paid the penalty for our sin to make a way where there is no way so that we could be with God forever is far beyond what we deserve. <laughs> but we know in his nature that's not what he does. Literally, Matthew 7, 11, you know, all these different things. How much more will your father give you good things, right? Yeah. You got all those things. And so in that, we understand that there is a byproduct of prayer that God uh, 
intercedes or steps in and fixes it. But the number one objective of prayer is to be with God. So when you think about this persistent widow, particularly, or this annoying neighbor, right? What we see is this consistency of coming back and back and back. And now both of their responses is out of annoyance. But the God of the universe loves you and he wants to hear from you. And so when we pray, long before God says yes or no, responds, gives us his spirit, all those kind of things, we are already hitting the product that God desires that we are speaking and being connected to him. So let me help you think of it this way. If God knew that the minute he said yes to your prayer, that it meant you would stop praying to him, why in the world would he answer it? Why in the world would he give you the thing that you think is the thing just for that thing to finally give you a reason not to have to go, like to, to get on about your life and forget to go and pursue God? What's so interesting, it's in the middle of trials and pain and sorrow and confusion that I seek the scriptures yeah. so deeply. And you, we all do it, right? And then we get our answer and we're like, oh, we're done. Okay, let's get back to our life. We made the decision. Okay, let's get back to life. But the whole goal of all that, the whole goal of the gospel was for you to both speak directly to God and be connected directly to him. And so when you see this persistence, what you see is this cadence of regularly and often coming to the door to ask, to seek, to knock. And so in some ways, I think what Jesus is communicating is it's actually, we think that the goal is for God to answer our prayers, but the real goal is for you to spend time with God yeah. and to, as the prayer said, as, as the word defined means, to talk to God and exchange your wishes yeah. for his wishes. So a lot of what I certainly think happens when we pray is that God gives us his spirit. And all of a sudden we come to terms with what we've been praying and go, you know what, God, you're bigger than this. You're uh, magnificent and lovely and gracious. And the fact that I get you, that's the ultimate gift. But that happens in our pursuing God, pursuing his heart, pursuing his righteousness. So the byproduct might be that God answers the question and gets really good glory and credit for it. But the real product, the, the real focus is that you and God get to spend time together. That's what God wants, which is just mind-boggling that the God of the universe would pay any attention to me. That's why I love like the psalmist goes, who am I that the God would do that, right? And so so prayer is so much more than, okay, let me give my, my list. Hopefully God will say, man, if, you, if he'll just say yes to half of this, then we've got a pretty good deal going on. This is not a Christmas list that we share and let God kind of pick out which ones he's interested in. His goal was for you to spend time with him, which is why when we think about uh, terms like pray without ceasing, yeah. that is a different way to pray, that in all moments we are walking as, as it says in Galatians 5, in step with the Spirit. We're walking in step with the Spirit. So prayer is not the thing you do in the morning for an hour or 30 minutes or 20 minutes, and you grade your spirituality on how long you sit still and talk to God. Prayer is about you being aware that you are intimately connected to yeah. God because of what Jesus did, but through the work of the Holy Spirit allowing you to have that conduit. Yeah. Right? So the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the bridge. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the decoder. Yeah, right? yeah. that's good. So, uh, you so, keep talking. I'm important here. Yeah. So uh, thank you, LK, for uh, giving a little bit more clarity on um, your question there. So kind of going back to us talking about, so what God gives us is the Holy Spirit, like the good goodness that he gives, like, uh, again, looking at the end of that scripture verse. Um, and so LK's question says in Matthew 7, 11, instead of giving us the Holy Spirit, God gives us, and he's quoting, good things yeah, yeah, yeah. we ask for. So well, is there any more clarity? That's a really good question. I don't know. So here's what I, I mean, I'm waiting to get my phone because here's the hack. 
I think you should use it. I use it daily in some ways. I'll read scripture and go, I don't know what that means. So I just went literally in Google and typed in Matthew 7:11 and the word lexicon, L-E-X-I-C-O-N. And then at the very first option is always going to be Bible Hub. You click on it and it breaks down all the words because I want to actually see what the word thing <laughs> means. How much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So let me read it from this version. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, very similar thing that Matthew yeah. captures uh, to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him. So the way that it's translated here is read, uh, it's, uh, good, it says, things. good things. So yeah. uh, it actually, who is in heaven, give. So there's the verb, what is good is how that whole thing is defined. So they say good things. By that whole word, uh, what is good to those who ask him, there is no things in this. And so therefore we'd have to go, well, what does it mean by what is good? Mm-hmm. You know, I would argue there that what is good is the Holy Spirit. But, uh, but here, um, so the word good things, see, I'm pretty confident this now that I look at it, is, is one word. It's connected. So you can imagine good things with, uh, you know, quotations around that meaning. That's the one Greek word, ag- agathos. So the word agatha comes from this. Agathos, that's probably how you would say that. But it literally means intrinsically good, good in nature, good whether it be, se- oh, this is really good. Good whether it be seen to be so or not. Let me read that one again. Good, whether it be seen to be so or not, the widest and most colorless of all words with this meaning. So, what this means, the reason they use the word things, you hear that last one, that one's really interesting too. Uh, the wisest and most colorless words of all uh, of all the words with this meaning. So, the reason, it, it, I guess it's probably ch- translated as things, is that the widest and most colorless. So, this means, hey, it's good, but it's kind of hard to define what the good things are. Right. So, I... I'm suspicious, okay, really great question. I'm suspicious that Jesus actually was a little bit more clear and, and Luke was able to capture this, that when he says the good things, he is just quantifying what the greatest colorless thing is that's good whether you are, you know understand it or not. And that's the Holy Spirit. It's like when you... um. You know, when when we fill out our registry, we're, I'm asking them for all sorts of stuff, like give me a big TV, <laughs> right? And instead someone gives us uh, a, a big block of Hinkle knives, right? Yeah, yeah. Here we are 17, 16 years later still using those. Yeah. You know, we wanted fancy, flashy <laughs> stuff, and instead we got a bunch of Fiesta Ware plates, <laughs> right? That's not very flashy, not very exciting, and I wanted a fancy grill, all those kind of things, right? But we got these red plates. Guess what? 16 years later, we are still using the same plates. The same silverware that we got 16 years ago, right? And so it's good, even though it's not what we actually asked for. It actually was a better gift. And you've done this. You've given those gifts. And so, and that one and this one, I think this is really pretty impactful. Thank you for asking this question. I think what he's saying is how much of you, you've asked for things, asked for things, asked for things. God is actually going to give you the goodest or greatest of those things. And so let's then go one step further and go, what is the goodest and greatest of those things? And this is, if you ever bold enough to pray it at the end of the sermon, literally we said, Holy Spirit, you're the best gift. You're the best gift. So I still think the same concept stands. Good things, one word, meaning good, even if it doesn't seem good, and it is the most colorless, broadest thing. So this is an all-encompassing word going. Every time you ask, God is going to give you the best thing possible. So when you pray, either God's going to answer your prayer in the way you prayed it, or the way that you would pray it, when you, if you could see and know all the things God sees or knows. So perhaps what God is doing is giving us the greatest thing, His Spirit, so we can see and know Him and His plans. And so I actually think it 
Thanks for asking that, but it's pretty neat to see it. So again, please, please use this hack. I, I did not take Greek or Hebrew in seminary or, uh, you know, when I was finishing doctorate, didn't at all. So only thing I know to do is look at the original language from Bible Hub's lexicon. I mean, I have others up here all right, at my house, but that's that's the hack you can see each of the words. So, so great uh, question, man. As yeah. we look at this, though, so I, I feel like my question, and it's kind of evolved as we've, we've started our discussion, right? Like, so my question initially was, so should we be the persistent or the annoying neighbor? And it feels like, yeah, the answer is yes, but it's not because I want that need met. It's more of let me be persistent so that I can be in communication and connection with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so you don't know that at first. So let me just offer this one. Yes, you should be the persistent and annoying widow or neighbor, but eventually you won't be annoying to God. First of all, you're not annoying at all because just the fact that you're willing to talk to God pleases him. But what happens as you continue to pray, whatever that prayer is, God continues to give you a spirit. And God's spirit is doing some really, really great work in you. What really is, that's why I love reading Galatians 5, because we got these two things going on with us. Our flesh, God's spirit, right? So our humanity and God's divinity are at war in us, which is why everything feels broken and why you feel so much shame when you do the wrong thing. Let's celebrate that you feel that because that means you're aware of there being a better way to live and experience God. And so what happens is, if you can imagine it, and I think we'll come back to this again later, but if you can imagine it, what's actually happening is is more of you is being emptied out. More of his spirit is filling you with each and every one of those prayers. Maybe it's by a magnitude of point zero 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 one, but every single time the Holy Spirit is feeling more more of you and more of your flesh, therefore is is having to flee. So, yep, be yeah. persistent because every single one of those prayers matters to God. There is not a single time that you speak to God that that's a wasted moment. In fact, I would argue. There is no nothing greater you can do is continue to talk to God, continue to share your wishes, and continue to tell Him your pain in this every single time. You might not be able to see it, but he goes, how much more will your heavenly father who is good give these good things to you when you ask? So we got to keep asking. James, Jesus' brother, tells us, we have not because we ask not. Now he's talking specifically about an opportunity for us to ask for wisdom. So we can always ask for that. He says you always give it to those who ask. So we have a a responsibility according to the scriptures to pray and when we pray we have to ask then we have to seek and then we have to knock and maybe we'll start walking on that path yeah i do want to start doing that but to to your point i feel like the more time that i spend in prayer i feel like my my list of needs changes into okay god would your will be done i don't know what you're going to do like and there's usually still uh, like a desire in there. Yeah. For example, like my, my father's health isn't doing so great right now. My desire is God would heal him. Absolutely. But also at the same time, I'm going, but God, would your will be done? I don't, I don't want it to be other than healing, but Lord, would your will be done? And would I be comfortable or rest in your peace, even if that doesn't happen? So I feel like the more that I find that I'm in communion, the more that I'm asking God, the more he is imparting his wishes in me and then I am changed because I'm I'm recognizing that I'm going, okay, God, I want this, yeah. but still, would your will be done over that? You mentioned last week about journaling and not like journaling yeah, all those kind of right. things. I'm not very good at those things either. I mean, I keep kind of a notes tab, but I don't, okay. I don't organize it or sort it and that kind of stuff. So it's just a, a, you know, a blah of words like yeah. everything else in my life. But um, but one of the things I do think is really valuable in, in prayer is like writing down those requests. 
not because you can check it off when God answered it. You should, because there's something going, hey, if God responds, it probably means you shouldn't just get about your day. You probably should pause and celebrate on that. But I, I think if you could go back over the last decade or two decades or three decades and look at your prayer requests, you would laugh at yourself to go, why in the world did I want that? Yeah. Why was that such a big deal to me? God, why did I, you know, and so it's kind of the joke about unanswered prayers, but man, Lord, my wife and my family is beautiful. Like I cannot imagine a different life to live. But as a 20 something, right. being a pastor, you know, was not something that I thought was all glory. So I was asking God to give me a platform so I could go be a politician and get my law degree, right? Like so silly, like, oh man, could you imagine? I'm already pretty obnoxious. Could you imagine me with that level of arrogance in me, right? And so so I think some of that is just, if it, as you think back on the things you asked for that God didn't do, you can look and go, I can see why he didn't and I can still be pleased in it. And if you can see those things, it's because God's actually exchanged your wishes for his and you can see things the way that he sees them. Yeah. So let's dive into verse nine. So <laughs> ask, seek, not really yeah. the, the action steps here. So again, so Jesus tells a story, you know, a friend, he'll get up because of his impudence. Uh, will Shameless audacity. Yeah. yeah. And will rise up and give whatever he needs. And then verse 9, and this is where he changes it from the story into uh, practical for us. And he says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 10 says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. As we jump into this, obviously on Sunday, we spent a good amount of time kind of unpacking this yeah. a little bit. Was there anything more in that? Like, I don't know if there's anything that you wanted to review from what we even talked about on Sunday or yeah. anything deeper. So I don't know that I do a good job of this because I'm convinced <laughs> prayer is so much more than tracking down the prayer requests and yeah. do it. Now, I, I want to point out a couple of things again. One, this, these are all active words, right. all of them. And they certainly seem to be in a cumulative order yeah first you ask then you seek then you knock so so in many senses it really is asking and then looking to see where god's at work and then going and knocking on that door right so there is there is a cumulative thing where i want to guard us is i just think prayer is so much greater than whether or not we get the thing we're praying for yeah. right it, that it's much more nuanced much bigger much more beautiful than that. A little bit mysterious, and we all know that prayer is mysterious. I know when I pray, God listens and responds and changes me and changes the world because of it. Okay. No, can I show you all that, how all that happens? No. But you go, well, if you don't know all those things, then doesn't that get really overwhelming? Well, at least Jesus gives us some action steps to do in the middle of it. You ask. Yeah. You ask, right? You literally ask. Like, whatever it is, ask. And it might be as you're asking, you go, wow. Like, you may be praying something like this, God, would you change my spouse? And you go, wow, like, is that, is that God, give me that new car. What? You know, like, yeah. some of this is actually saying it out loud, you ask. And then, you know, then some of that stuff, it says to actually seek. Okay, there, we have a responsibility to participate in our prayer requests. Yeah, like, to get in the middle of it, to go, God, I am asking you to make yourself known to me today. And I am going to go about my day all day long looking for you then, right? God, would you be real in my life today? God, would you give me clarity on what to do today? Step one, right? Now, every bit of your day is actually looking for those opportunities. You are seeking it. And then when one comes up, you run into someone on the street and you go, oh, God, I asked for you to be real to me today. Yeah. Huh, I'm now aware of this. I'm seeking it. This guy's right in front of me. Is this the guy you want me to pray for? Does that cash in my wallet need to go to that guy? 
And then so you actually have to knock and see. Knock is a real action. Okay, God, I'm gonna <laughs> I believe I've interacted with this person. I believe you want me to share my faith with him. So you knock and you say to him, right? Hey, I just have something I feel like the Lord wants to share with yeah. you. Is that from me to you? Would you be okay with hearing it? Right? And when they say, absolutely, guess what's just happened? They've opened the door. Hey, God, I really, really need a new job. I need a new job. Okay, so I'm going to, now that I've asked, my eyes are open, that reticular activation system. I'm now looking for it everywhere. Okay. Ah, that place looks like it could be hiring. God, is that the place? Well, let me walk in. Hey, I just, are y'all accepting applications right now? Yeah, we are. Okay, open. Then fill it out, right? There's just this process that we don't just pray and then forget about our prayers and go about our day. What this should do is that prayer should actually set us on a pathway of discovery. So that's all really, really neat. And now all of a sudden your prayer isn't just in that moment. The way by which you pray without ceasing is now you're actually praying as you seek and then praying as you ask for permission in some way, right? I believe God wants us to interact with people every day and share with them the good news of what he did for us. That makes you overwhelmed and it makes me overwhelmed. And yet that's what I think. And so it starts with God, would you show me who to speak with? My eyes are open looking for it, right? God, would you show me how to live in the kingdom today? My eyes are open for it. And then literally... Making that known. Hey, I would really like to share something with you. Hey, can I make a meal for you? Whatever these things, we're knocking. Guess what I think will happen? If we ask and seek and knock, and it literally says knocking the door will be open for you. So then you get to be mesmerized that God continues to open the doors. But the other thing that's really interesting about that passage, it says, I tell you, ask. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. It's really interesting that it gives you kind of the... Uh, the response, the one who asks, that's the subject, and the verb receives. But there is no qualifier of what they receive. Yeah, right. Receives what they ask for. It doesn't say that. You know, seeks what they ask. You know, like there's yeah. this thing. So you go, I'm so confused. It's vague. In yeah, so why is it right so now. vague? Well, I would say it's so vague because he's building to a gigantic yeah. big aha. And yeah, frankly, yeah. I was really frustrated with myself on Sunday. Because I pulled out the Holy Spirit at the beginning and stuck okay. it on there. And I'm like, okay. no, that was the that was the big thing. It was going to be it, 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 it. And finally, okay. what is the it? It's not cancer free. Okay. It's not, you know, marriage resolved. It is you get the Holy Spirit, right. which right. is the greatest gift. It is the greatest gift. We just don't see it as it is, but it's the greatest gift, right? It's the most wide and colorless thing in so many ways, but it is the greatest gift. Yeah. So. Uh, I feel like that's really good, and I, I feel like the, in these action steps, the ask, seek, yeah. um, and and knock, or um, let me say that again, ask, seek, and knock. Yeah, I got it. I wanted to make sure I got I it. I get messing that up too, yeah. Like, um, one of the things, I think, it, I don't think I brought this up last week, but just in conversation um, about this, kind of even conversation about overtime, one of the conversations that I've had was like, well, if if prayer is really about the connection, and it's not about the let me bring my list of needs. Should I even do that? Absolutely, should. Yep. Here, what we see is that we're told to ask, yeah. right? So, in that sense, this is Jesus going. So, ask, like he he wants you to bring those requests to him. So it's yeah. not uh, like it almost feels like. Well, if I'm maturing in my faith and I recognize that prayer is really just about connection, and so therefore I don't need to bring my needs to God because God's all knowing. But that's not what's happening. Yeah. He's, he, that's the first thing: ask, seek. And if my kids are in pain, yeah. if they're in deep pain and they just want to stuff all that and not yeah. do anything about it, that is devastating to yeah. me. Yeah. Right? You know what I'd like for them to do? Ask me. Yeah. yeah. Bring me into it. Right? And so, so much of this is we, 
we have to continue to bring God into it. Yeah. We invite God into it because he is a great God, but he also is a respecter of boundaries. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. And if you want to open, I'll enter and I'll dine with him. So right. this ask, this ask is inviting God back into the equation that right. he designed, right. right? So I think it's really, really important to think about yeah. that. We probably need to get to the other question because we're, we're running <laughs> yeah. out of time. I want but, to get to that other yeah. question. Um, so one of our... Oh, well, never mind. We're at 43. For some reason, I thought we were at 50. Okay, we're okay. good. We're good, good, good. good. Yeah. I, I just looked at the time and I thought we were okay. So um, maybe what we'll do is we'll get to that after we get to... Yeah, yeah, so verse 11 says... So then it continues. And so Jesus tells kind of a parable. So uh, again, first four verses, it's uh, here's the Lord's prayer and then kind of tells a parable, ask, knock, and receive. Um, uh, ask, ask, seek, seek knock, knock yeah. see, I'm going to keep doing the same thing you were doing. And then verse 11, he talks about a father giving a good gift. So let's read that. It says yeah, 11. Um, 11, we'll probably just read through uh, 13. It says, and what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, uh, will give instead, uh, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So uh, you went into this a little bit of going, okay, here's, you know, snake. Hey, yeah, I'm asking for, for this. And I'm so this. dirty. It's like, right. man, that's so dark. Right, right. right. Um, but and good, giving good gifts, and you parked on this, you who are evil. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's important because that could be offensive. Oh, it is? Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not meant to be offensive, but more of an understanding of where you are and who God is, yeah. right? Like, yeah. is there anything more that you wanted to say? No, but I'll be happy to that? say it all again, right? So the one of the worst things that we're experiencing in our world is the mantra to follow your heart. Yeah. Follow your heart. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about any specific demographic. You can fill in the blanks however you want to there. But there is a mantra that goes, follow your heart. Yeah. And yet, the scriptures say, your heart, Jeremiah tells us this, your heart is wicked and deceitful. Like it is in you, and I know that. So one of our big problems is most of our life we spend trying to look good, pretend to be good, figure out a way to be good, and yet this just gives a... A yeah. baseline assessment of you and I, and he says it to these guys. These are his, these are his followers. This is his disciples. This yeah. isn't the crowd. These are the ones who are closest to him. These are the ones who are going to actually be charged with bringing the the, the church into the world. Right? They they're going to be the first ones to be empowered by his spirit. You know, long term. And these are church leaders. And he prefaces this whole thing with, "You are evil." Yeah. And so you can think about it and go, well, what, what, how would they have received that? Like, would that have been like, <gasps> like, yeah. and I, I can imagine that it's probably that, but I just think, you know, it's really nice here. It, it's typically the religious that are offended by this. Yeah. Like even this Sunday, I kind of joke, let me look up at the non-Christian section. I, I'm going to keep doing it. I think it's funny. And, um, but, but really every single week, I just assure you, there are people that are worshiping with us, they're not worshiping yet, right? They, they're not convinced that God is real or loving or gracious. They're not convinced that Jesus is Lord. So some of the reasons why the sermons are so long, right? Because it's this review time, one of, you know, you remember and what you review, but more than that, it's there are people in the room who I just want to make sure that they're brought along, that they are considered in all this. But for a non-Christian, this, this wouldn't have been offensive, not because they're going, oh yeah, I'm evil, yeah, you got me, right? <laughs> It's that they think they're interacting with people who don't have that emotional awareness, right? And so what I love about this is just kind of the, 
the, the leveling of the field for all people. Yeah, so yeah. he just puts everyone in the same category. Yeah. Everybody is in the same category. Evil. We are broken. There is something wrong with our hearts and our motives. And that is true about all of us. And so in one sense, it could be offensive. But another, isn't that really freeing to go, ah, oh, he knows me. Yeah. Like he knows me. Like he, even when we're talking about praying, he knows what's broken about me. Even as he's talking about parenthood, he knows what's broken about me. And so that doesn't mean we celebrate our evil, but we come to grips with the fact that we are broken and in need of a savior. Yeah. So when Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that word could very easily be translated offended. Hmm. So Paul's gone, I'm not offended that Jesus said that I was so dirty and broken yeah. that I could not earn my way into heaven. But he came and died for me, right? And so this is a this is a qualifier for all people, but it's also an invitation for all people because this is who Jesus came. So he just wanted to go, hey, you got some evil motivations. You've done all sorts of stuff, but let's just be honest. When it comes to your kid asking for good things, you want to do good for them. Yeah. You want to do good for them. So now that we have that kind of framework of you, are, you're a broken daddy, now what does that mean about your heavenly daddy then and how would he respond if he is perfect if you see glimpses of that in you as it relates to your kids yeah and so as kind of the end of 13 what you see is that says we'll give the holy spirit and you talked about this on sunday it doesn't it doesn't there's no mention of bread right like the the parable doesn't finish by you know he gives them bread or that we see it's not like jesus is and that probably is exactly what happens but it's really kind of understanding that the Holy Spirit is what is good. That is ultimately the best for yeah. us. And so we see he gives the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean that he fixes necessarily our problems. Yeah. You talk specifically. It doesn't mean that your marriage is healed. It doesn't yeah. mean that the cancer is gone. Um, but he gives to you what yeah. is good. So it's interesting, as Maggie just said, I was taught yeah. uh, we we're not, not only, only to pray, but to pray boldly. So that's really helpful and meaningful. That Even in the... Uh, the parable of the persistent widow, you've seen yeah. some of that. And literally he goes, and some of this is pretty funny. You know, like the pagans get a cold yeah. and they don't have to pray for it. Yeah. The body just fixes it, right? And so what we can kind of gather from that is there's something really significant about the size of the prayers that we pray. I would say the size of the prayers that we pray are probably equivalent to the size that we think our God is. Mm. But remember, so we got, let's go back to this big understanding that Jesus says, how much more will the whole God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right? And so we know that God gives the Holy Spirit. The reason why bold prayers matter so much is big, bold prayers are beyond our capability. In other words, we can't just go, yep, I guess. I mean, like, I can't fix my toes, right? right? right. You know, like, when we get to a point where we're helpless, like this neighbor, there is no other hope and there's nothing we can do to solve it. Those big, bold prayers, what happens is when those come through, what we have to do, we have to go, had to be the God, had to be a spirit. So it's in those massive moments where we invite God to come in and do really great things in his kingdom that we actually see the evidence of what Jesus is saying here. How much more will you get the Holy Spirit? Those big, bold prayers are actually kind of like a, a canvas yeah. for, a, for God to display the work of his Holy Spirit in us, through us, and around us. So the bold prayers are very significant because that's where we really are positioned to a place to see what God is up to and how he's going to underwrite that through a yeah. spirit. Yeah. Um, so here's what I think I want to do. So then what we did is we talked about the Holy Spirit, and I want to absolutely give us time to do that. But there's a question in line yeah. with that that I want to get to. But before we did that, and I won't read this, but we spent time looking at Galatians. It was Galatians 16, uh, 5, 16 through 25. talks about the fruit of the Spirit yeah. uh, of all of that. And, and so 
if we can, we'll circle back to that. Yeah, I think it all is kind of intertwined. So let's ask the yeah, question. Let's so, see what we get. So the question that we got is that it says, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So if I am a true Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells me. Based on the past year's experience with the Holy Spirit Josh described, what can you tell us about becoming more spirit-filled and bearing more of the good good kind of fruit? Mm. Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm telling you, I'm just living it. Mm. Just living it. Yeah, it's like, I, uh, yeah, I'm just living it. I get, it's amazing to see the work of the Spirit in my life in ways around me in our church, just yeah. living it. And so... I can speak both experientially, like I've experienced it, and biblically. And so let me just first give a quick promo. Um, when I was writing this material, I really want to go, okay, he gives us a spirit. What is his spirit doing? Yeah. So we pray the prayer and he gives us his spirit. Okay, now what? And so uh, tomorrow night from 630, so I don't know how long I get, 745. I'll probably be an hour and a half just to be honest with you because it's a lot of material. Um, uh, we have a couple things going on right here at the church indoors because it's, you know, a big it's really hot outside. There's a big family worship night. I would encourage you, if you have kids, to come to that. Yeah. Now, others of you, um, we're going to finish up the, the prayer series. I'm going to try to figure out a way to record it. So please don't make not going to the worship family worship environment the reason for not yeah. uh, uh, to, to go to the class. So we'll take care of both. But uh, it's going to be interesting because we've been doing a series on prayer with lots of different voices in our church. We're really proud of the teachers. But this one will be more specific to the work of the Spirit in our prayer, the work of the Spirit. we got to figure out what the Holy Spirit's doing. And so I'm going to work through lots of passages, show you all those things. And as I was doing all that, because I was going to do it on Sunday, I'm like, oh, Lord, this is so much, so much. And that's why I just kind of ended up with just the the Galatians passage. of going, Let me show you this. And the, ev- the important part of showing you this is what you and I have thought is that that's our performance. we got to perform these things. Like, I grew up thinking that, okay, i got to be more patient, be more patient, because yeah. the Holy Spirit says I should be, you know, but it's not me that creates the patience. It's right. literally the Spirit that creates it, right? The Spirit is doing this work. So how does right. the Spirit do the work? And what would keep the Spirit from doing it, right? And so when I think about that question, will you read the last part of that again? Just make sure, sure. I get it correct. Sorry. So it says, um, based on the past year's experience with the Holy Spirit Josh described, what can you tell us about becoming more Spirit-filled and bearing more of the good kind of fruit? I would say those are completely directed. Bearing more of the good kind of fruit is directly not uh, caused by the more we're filled by the Spirit. Okay, so however much the Holy Spirit fills us is going to directly impact how much good fruit we bear, right? So you go, okay, well, let's think about this practically. How do you feel something? Well, right now this is about half full. I'm not telling you what's in it, but I mean it's not alcoholic. But, so that sounds bad. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, uh, but so what that means right now, if someone goes, "Hey, I have some tea. You want some tea?" And I go, "Oh yeah, I'd like some tea." They could take it and pour tea into this. Right. How much tea could they put in it? Thirty-two ounces, because this is a sixty-four ounce thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the amount of capacity this thing has is directly connected to what is already inside of it. Got it? Lots to think about here. So we let's think of ourselves as a vessel. Love this. Shared it with the staff. Shared it with Urban Promise. There's this really beautiful story in Second Kings chapter four, where a widow comes to to Elisha and says, "My kids are about to have to go into slavery because my husband died, and we have no way to pay the bills, and so they're going to be enslaved by the creditor. What what can you do to help?" And he goes, "What do you have?" And yeah. she goes, "I have a little flask of oil." And he goes, "Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and collect all the empty jars." 
in your neighborhood. Go get them, go get them. So they collect them. And she, he says, okay, now I want you and your kids to go behind closed doors. Meaning Elisha's going, I can't do this for you. This has to be your own personal conviction and your own walk of faith action. You're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking. I can't do it on your behalf. So they go and it says that she starts pouring the oil, right? One little flask pours, moves, and it's like in the cinder line, they keep getting more. And at the end of that passage, it literally says, when, so she's like, give me another. They go, we don't have any more. And it says, when they ran out of empty vessels, the oil stopped flowing. In other words, the supernatural event was directly connected to how much emptiness and empty vessels they had. And so you go, well, how do I get more filled with the spirit? Well, you have to empty yourself. You empty yourself. So even when we go back and see this because of his impudence, that literally shows a guy who's completely helpless with no other options. So part of the most courageous things you have to do is you have to empty yourself of your options. You have to take away the thought of your wealth provides for you, your security, your things. You have to see it all as part of the kingdom. And what you have to do is you have to come to God completely barren. Which is really neat about that is now there's all of a sudden this opportunity for God to come through. That's why you and I have probably experienced God at his greatest when we are at our worst. Because we are completely empty vessels. So the amount that the Holy Spirit can fill you is directly connected to what kind of capacity you have in you and what you've already filled it with. So first step in this, I would say, is what are the things in your life that are not not of the Spirit? What are they? Empty them. Burn them. Throw them away. Get rid of them. Whatever that is, because we have to come to God without any other options for our success and our joy and our peace and our hope. It's that. So then we let the Holy Spirit actually fill us, fill us, fill us to the brim. And what I love about this thought is you're going, well, how, where does the fruit come from then? The Holy Spirit is an infinite supply to you and me, meaning we invite God to open that faucet. And we take the lid off of us. And we never let that faucet go shut in our lives, right? So imagine like this wind. We keep the sail up at all times and we just keep it up, right? So the lid comes off and then we invite the Holy Spirit to dwell every part of us, every part of us. There's, we don't hold back any of it, not our finances, yeah. not our family, not our jobs. Every bit of it is for his kingdom. So we, we don't hold back any of it. We go and open the lids to all the stuff. And one of the neat things is as, as that stuff fills, a lot of times that junk starts going in your life. So we open the lid and we don't shut it and we let the Holy Spirit come into us. So you got passages that says things like, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. For all else, guard your heart. For it's the wellspring. You hear that? Wellspring of life. Wellspring never runs out. And so we have to figure out what to do is how do we take off the lid, which is just a a decision by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord, that we make with the Holy Spirit. And then we go, we want to go further to just saying Jesus is Lord. We want to actually follow him. And the, what he's going to call us and do is going to be so far beyond your capability that it only can happen through the Spirit. So we take the lid off. We let the Holy Spirit flow into us, flow into us, flow into us. And guess what happens? As it flows into us to a point where you can't contain it, it will start flowing out of you. And the fruit is in the overflow. Now, I got to be patient. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit comes into you. And now the overflow that happens. And so you'll start noticing in every area of your life, and you've probably already noticed this. Wow, I'm responding differently to that criticism than I have in the past. Wow, I'm responding differently to my child than I did in the past. Wow, I'm responding differently to that anxiety, and I want to go drink that bottle than in the past. Well, why is that? We've opened up, you've opened up the lid. You've, uh, you've asked the Lord 
to, you know, turn on the faucet and it continues to come into you. So what we'll do tomorrow night is we'll look at all the ways the Holy Spirit actually does that in the scriptures, right? But the Holy Spirit is an infinite supply of God's grace, love, and power in the form of a powerful person. So he actually is the one who comes and, and, and engages in us and become, gets into us. Is the Holy Spirit that intercedes on God's behalf to us. It's the Holy Spirit that intercedes in our own minds when we don't know what to say to God. So this Spirit is far beyond anything we've ever been able to comprehend before. And because we haven't been able to, we've just set up the, we've taken the Holy Spirit, set it up on a shelf and go, I, I guess you're real. I guess we need you for something and we'll ask you occasionally. But it's not that kind of relationship. It's all Holy Spirit in every area of our life. So you want to see how to bear good fruit? Well, it only comes by keeping the lid off and the faucet running. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. I, I feel like the analogy that I've used is that a tree doesn't really try hard and it produces fruit. Yeah. But as it receives everything that it needs, as it receives the infilling of the Holy Spirit in this analogy, then it produces fruit from it receiving the right nutrients like yeah. from the soil, it from sunlight, from water. It produces. It's a byproduct. Yeah, so, so if we live by the Spirit, yeah. let us keep in step with the Spirit. Meaning, the faucet's got to stay open. Faucet's got to stay open. We, and then we just start to see the evidence of this. And so there should be <laughs> joy to be had. The pressure should fall off. And it's not yeah. something you've got to, you know, like you really do. You just go, Lord, I just want you to feel every part of me. And when you fail, would you just acknowledge it before him and go, God, would you put your spirit in that part of my mind? Would you do that? Just continue to invite his spirit into every part. And then I'm telling you, I'm telling you, experientially, I've just experienced this. I have taken off the pressure. It's fallen off me and the Lord has done some of his greatest work in my life, ministry, all those things in the last year because of what the Spirit is doing. And so I just double dog dare you to start living with the Spirit. That's why I actually want to give you some words to pray that Holy Spirit, you are the greatest gift. Please come to me. Please fill me, right? Like open up the faucet, Lord. Open up the heavens. Pour it in me. Not just on me, not around me, not just wash me. No, no, no. Put it into a wellspring inside of me that I cannot contain. So out of the overflow, that's where you see the fruit. Yeah. Well, looking at the time, yeah. that is pretty much all the time that we have. Really hope that this discussion, this conversation helps and encourages you as well. Um, and then uh, Mag's just here. And I, I think that that yeah. might be a great I idea. I just saw that. Mag just asked and said, would it be okay to end in prayer? And I think that that's mm. a very fitting way to end yeah. out this overtime. So. so let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus. Um, same prayer. Father God, you are a good father. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you are a good Savior and Holy Spirit. You are the greatest gift. Would you please come to us? Like even in this moment, God, would you empty us of our flesh? And would you fill every part of us? Would you even use your spirit to be the thing, your light that actually cast out the darkness? So Holy Spirit, would you fill us with you, your love, and all the fruit that comes from you? Would you guide us? Would you teach us how to really worship you, triune God? And would you, in this moment, God, for each person listening to this, God, would you respond to the question that they have asked and the request they've made? And would you respond in such a way that was evident that you just gave them your spirit? Maybe they're asking for peace. Maybe they're asking for that job or for some kind of grace to be had in their marriage or a reconnection with their child. So God, 
in this moment, because you're a good father, would you respond and give us that gift, first your spirit, and then allow us to see you at work and in God. So would you allow us to really, really see you? And then God, would you give us the courage to continue to keep that faucet open and not try to contain it, but allow it to flow out of us into our family, into our community, into our state, into our world. And with that overflow that comes out of us be the fruit of what needs to happen for your kingdom to come to this earth. So God, would you pour it in us and then out of us? And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We hope that you have a blessed week. Let us know if you have any questions and we look forward to seeing you next week. Okay.